How can we understand today's headlines in connection with Bible prophecy? Find out more today on A View From The Wall. Join I Am A Watchman Ministries Managing Editor Joe Kerr with co-host Dylan Burroughs, bringing you a fascinating discussion regarding the importance of Bible prophecy and Christian living today as it relates to our responsibility as believers to be watchmen. This is A View From The Wall. Welcome to A View From The Wall. I'm Dylan Burroughs, joined with co-host Joseph Kerr as always, and we're thrilled to be with you today because we have something to help you. Maybe you're discouraged by what you see on the news, but there is more to the story than the story you see in mainstream media. But how do you get the rest of the story? Well, today we are joined by Cade Hawkins. He's the founder and CEO of prophecynewswatch.com. It's an organization that specializes in biblical prophecy and today's events. And this news service offers free newsletters, daily updates, and articles on prophecy in the news. Cade, welcome to A View from the Wall. Well, thank you so much for having me. Well, we are honored to have you with us. I've used your website quite a bit. And, Cade, some of our listeners are going to be completely new to prophecynewswatch.com. So as we begin, what is it and what do you have to offer for those seeking biblical information about today's events? Well, thank you. Um, I had the privilege of serving under a well-known Bible teacher, Chuck Missler, for about 20 years, uh, who just recently passed away about two years ago. Um, Chuck was an extremely busy man, for those who know him, uh, and of course, with his amazing career, um, he had many of his own connections for gathering information, uh, but one of my responsibilities was to compile a summary of news events each week uh, that had relevance to Bible prophecy that I thought he should take a look at. Uh, and so in a sense, I was trying to find news that Chuck did not already know about, uh, so that way I wasn't wasting his time, and uh, of course, that required a fair amount of research. So I would compile this kind of weekly uh, compilation of news events for Chuck. Uh, when some of my friends found out what I was doing, they asked if I could also share that information with them, kind of getting the insider's information. Well, it turns out they shared that information with their friends, uh, and they shared it with their friends, like the shampoo commercials of the 80s, and it became kind of viral. Uh, and uh, pretty soon I had to kind of create my own more formal mailing list. Uh, and I decided to kind of create a web page called Prophecy News Watch, uh, where others could subscribe and get that same information. Uh, one of the things that Chuck Missler became well known for was his strategic trends update, uh, where he would emphasize that Bible prophecy had two components, knowing the scriptures and knowing what's going on. Uh, and there's a lot of amazing Bible teachers out there, uh, many of which have been on this program, uh, who can provide great exposition to help kind of understand the scriptures. Where we come in is more on the side of trying to keep people informed uh, on what's happening. And so I think there needs to be a healthy balance between the two. Uh, we don't want to be just another news website. Uh, we want people to be challenged when they hear the news uh, to understand what's going on. What's God doing? Uh, and if they don't see things through a biblical lens, it's just news. And usually it's bad news. Uh, but we want people to ask why this news matters, how it relates to them uh, and the world around them. Uh, and that's exactly what Bible prophecy does. Uh, so we try to find the credible stories uh, that you're not hearing about. Uh, we like to include a lot of variety, so it could range from what's happening in Israel with attempts to rebuild the temple, uh, or new technology developments that could have an impact on our understanding of the book of Revelation, 
Uh, and so I think that's kind of what makes us unique and valuable to Christians who want to stay informed of world events from a biblical perspective. Well, let's jump into that. I know, Joe, you've been to Israel recently, and you see things a little differently now having been in that land. And uh, talk a little bit about some of the challenges there, as well as uh, talking with our friend Kate today about some of the Jewish perspective on the end times. Well, the Middle East has its own eschatology. We've had, as Cade referenced, a number of professionals and speakers and authors talk about eschatology from a biblical perspective, from a New Testament Christian church perspective. But one of the things that we've never had anybody talk about, which Cade is an expert, so we're just going to let him run with that, um, is this idea of Islamic eschatology. A lot of people aren't familiar that there is such a thing as Islamic eschatology, that they have a discussion of last days and what they expect to happen in the end times. Talk a little bit about that, Cade. Tell us what that is. So like Christians, there's a a lot of different views within Islam on the end times. Uh, And when I started doing my master's thesis on Islamic eschatology and the light of Bible prophecy, um, I quickly realized how little I knew uh, and or understood about their belief system, and yet how critical it was to understand why so many Muslim countries and Muslim individuals act the way they do. Uh, In many Muslim countries, there is no separation between religion and state. Uh, religion controls the state, and that's something most Westerners really can't understand. Uh, and then you have many rebel groups like ISIS or the Taliban uh, that are fundamentally rooted in even more extreme Islamic views, and this drives them to enforce you know, their version of Islam violently on anyone who disagrees. Um, in the Islamic world, we have two uh, kind of divisions, uh, two, two almost denominations in a sense, to use Christian terminology. Uh, we have Sunni Islam and Shiite Islam. Um, about 85% of the world's Muslims are Sunni, and they're kind of spread out all over the place. Uh, and interestingly, one of the largest Sunni Muslim countries in the world is not even found in the Middle East. We kind of have a stereotype that most Muslims are found in uh, the Middle East, but the largest Muslim country in the world is actually Indonesia. Uh, it's about 90% uh, Muslim, and of course this is in Asia, and it has 230 million Muslims. Uh, So that kind of blows away the stereotypes a little bit that it's just the Middle East. And then you have the other 15%, which are Shiite. uh, And they're mainly in Iran, Iraq, Lebanon, Bahrain. Uh, But in total, there's over a billion Muslims worldwide and some 50-plus countries that are Muslim-majority countries. What's interesting is that Shiite and Sunni generally consider one another apostate. So they don't like one another, and that's why they're always fighting. There's only one thing they can seem to agree on. And that's their hatred of Israel. Uh, And so very often Christians are familiar with certain Bible prophecies that deal with Islam. Uh, The most uh, common is probably the Battle of Gog and Magon in Ezekiel 38. Uh, And here you have really three major players, uh, Russia, Iran, and Turkey. Uh, And this is interesting because Iran is Shiite and Turkey is Sunni. uh, And they're traditional rivals. Uh, but over the past decade, you've seen several photo ops of the leaders of these three countries, of Russia, Iran, and Turkey, uh, meeting and getting together and forming various economic partnerships um, and even military partnerships, which is why you actually have Turkey in trouble with NATO right now. Uh, but you have Russia as kind of the power broker between these countries, uh, and prophecy would suggest that these nations appear to be destined to attack Israel uh, and in the process be defeated. And that seems to be where the Islamic narrative often ends for a lot of Bible prophecy teachers. They, they kind of end it there. 
Um, but these nations involved in Ezekiel 38 only represent a real small percentage of the Islamic world. So when you look at its global population, I think you, you need to also look at its uh, potential impact as well, just in size-wise. Uh, so for that reason, its end-time beliefs are really important to understand. What does the average Muslim believe um, about the end times, about the future? Uh, and uh, at the core of those beliefs is the belief in an Islamic savior and also an antichrist figure. Uh, and Sunnis and Shiites will disagree over um, how this Islamic savior kind of will appear, but both agree he's going to come. Uh, and the most common term they use to describe him is the Mahdi, uh, or the guided one. Um, and he's expected to be the perfect Muslim who will unite the world under Islam. So at this point, one of the reasons you've had uh, such fracturing uh, or the inability for the Muslim world to unite is they can't agree. Well, they, they kind of agree that when this Mahdi comes, he's going to unite them. And so well, that'll be a very different Muslim world when you have them all kind of united and speaking with one voice. Yeah, let me jump in here because that is a great example of how that impacts today's events. This philosophy or theology of the end times Muslims have are having an impact on what we see in the Middle East today. And it is having an impact in the way world headlines are shaping up, as you show in your website. And when we come back, we'll talk more about this here on A View from the Wall. So stick with us. From I Am A Watchman Ministries, here's today's I Am A Watchman Minute. Is there more panic than peace in your life? If so, you're not alone, and there is hope. In 2 Kings 6, we read that an evil king sent his troops to find and kill the prophet Elisha. They found out where the prophet was and surrounded his camp in the night. When Elisha's servant woke and saw the enemy all about them, he panicked, but the prophet prayed. And when the servant looked out again, he saw God's army surrounding the enemy. Yes, God had their situation well in hand. Now, God's army didn't arrive just in the nick of time. No, God was and is always there. So have hope. God redeems, guides, and provides, and has established ministries like I'm a Watchman to be a support and blessing to you. Be bold. Be faithful. Be a Watchman. I am a watchman.com. Welcome back to A View from the Wall. This is Dylan along with Joe, and we've been having a great discussion today with Cade Hawkins. He's the director of prophecynewswatch.com, an organization that specializes in biblical prophecy in today's news. In our last segment, we were just wrapping up talking about how Islamic end times theology impacts today's world headlines. And in this segment, we want to talk a little bit more about how Israel is part of the world news headlines as well as Bible prophecy. A recent survey concluded that 80% of evangelical Christians believe God's promise to Abraham and his descendants was an eternal covenant and that the modern rebirth of Israel and the return of millions of Jews is the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. As this is recorded, even Israel is making plans to annex much of the Jordan Valley. So, Kate, as we continue to talk, I know you have a lot of connections in Israel. What is going on there, this whole story of annexation? So, like Christianity and Islam, uh, you have differing beliefs between Jewish groups uh, on the end times. 
Um, you have the Orthodox, not to be confused with the ultra-Orthodox, who are often identified kind of by their uh, black clothes, um, but Orthodox Jewish beliefs are probably the closest in similarity to uh, what uh, many Christians view about the end times uh, in some ways. Uh, and for that reason, you have Christians and Orthodox Jews often allies on many Israel-centered issues, uh, whereas you have conservative and Reformed Jews um, and they see much more of an allegorical or symbolic view of Scripture. Uh, and so they see more of a, a messianic era of peace, more so than an actual messianic figure uh, in the lineage of David who will rule and unite Israel, such as the Orthodox think. One of the keys, I think, for all the Jewish groups is they are expecting to have either a, a messianic leader or a messianic age in which there is peace. Uh, and from a Christian perspective, it's this long desire for peace that will eventually lead them to accept the Antichrist, because uh, he does just that, uh, bring peace, even if it is temporary. Um, for a nation that has forever been at war, you can see how such perspective would dominate their messianic expectations. Uh, my understanding is that while they view this uh, Messiah figure to be physically descended from the Davidic line and to fulfill many prophecies, they do not believe him to be uh, divine, but a human leader. Uh, and so the Jewish people are expecting a human leader to unite Israel. Uh, and of course, this is a very different perspective than how Christians understand the Messiah. Uh, they see Jesus as fully God and fully man. Um, and so they also believe that part of this coming leader's rule or, or uh, reign uh, will involve the return of Jewish exiles from around the world, so that the majority of Jews will live in Israel uh, with a restored temple in Jerusalem, uh, where they can once again practice their temple rituals, which they're kind of preparing for even now. Uh, he'll, they believe that he'll restore Jewish rights to pray on the temple, uh, which is already a very big movement in Israel. They're, they're wanting access to the Temple Mount to be able to pray on the Temple Mount, which they currently can't do. Uh, and they also believe that righteous Gentiles can be involved in this process of redemption. Uh, and for that reason, they are much more open to working with Christians um, and others who can assist them in this whole process, um, as opposed to Islam, which, if you don't submit, uh, will eliminate you. So a big difference there between uh, Jewish kind of eschatology and Islamic eschatology. What has the reaction been from the Arab world to this idea of the annexation of the Jordan Valley? So the Palestinians, of course, um, have broken off security ties with Israel uh, and the U.S. They're, they're not wanting to cooperate at all. Uh, and many of their leaders have been threatening a return to terrorism um, and all kinds of violence that we used to see in the past uh, with bombings and uh, car rammings and things like that. Um, you also have Jordan. Uh, uh, the king of Jordan has threatened a massive confrontation. Uh, Hezbollah has threatened to take action. And you have Turkey uh, simply saying they won't allow it uh, and that they're going to they want to lead the Muslim world in protecting the Palestinians. Uh, so you have the majority of the Arab world completely opposed to this. Um, and the timing, of course, is kind of bad because uh, relations between Israel and a lot of the Arab world, in particular Saudi Arabia, have been warming of late. Uh, but this, uh, unfortunately, is something that's probably going to cause them all to uh, once again uh, unify in a sense of coming against Israel. Um, you also have, it's not just the Arab world, but you also have the European Union, um, who have expressed opposition, and some uh, have even suggested sanctions to pressure Israel if it tries to move forward. Um, so essentially, you have the whole world against Israel and the U.S. Uh, what concerns some Israelis is, what if Trump and it has his hands full with so much internal strife, whether it be rioting or another coronavirus flare-up, uh, or even tensions with China, 
can Trump afford to support Israel when the whole world is against Israel? Uh, and so Israelis are nervous, uh, and polls show that only about half the population supports uh, this annexation or sovereignty, um, and 60% some polls show are expecting another uprising. Um, even some on the right are actually not happy with this agreement because they believe it'll eventually lead to a Palestinian state uh, right on their borders, uh, and they know that given the chance, they would love to invade and, and be part of a, another potential war. Um, so Israel has already been making military preparations uh, for a number of scenarios that might take place, but uh, I think it goes without saying uh, it's going to be a very hot summer in the Middle East. Yes, well, I think you're doing a great job of pointing out some of these connections between Bible prophecy and what we are seeing in today's events. You mentioned there some of the nations arising against Israel. They're mentioned in Ezekiel 38, but also mentioned in Ezekiel 38 and 39 are outside nations, those in the Saudi Peninsula, some of the Western nations that watch what is happening in this conflict, but do nothing about it. And you seem to allude to that with the actions of the European Union that oppose annexation with some of the outside countries that are opposing it but not directly involved with it. And that's only part of it. Uh, you look again at this annexation as part of Israel's plan of a divine right to the land of Israel, where they believe that God gave them that land and therefore they should annex it. Well, that is a spiritual belief that is literally uh, clogging our headlines with information that most people have no idea the connection between the two. We just have about a minute left till we go to our break. Talk a little bit about how this fits with what the tribulation talks about with the coming global leader that will strengthen ties between Israel and her enemies. Well, I think at the center of this issue, uh, and one of the neat things about Israel in terms of timing um, is, in prophetic terms, Israel is often called God's timepiece. If you want to know what time it is on God's prophetic calendar, you look to the nation of Israel. Uh, and at the center of kind of that, that clock watch or that, that stopwatch that God has in terms of uh, his, his timing of events um, is a signing of a peace agreement between Israel uh, and many nations. And some people have kind of asked, is this, this peace quest that Trump is under with his peace plan with Israel and the Palestinians, does it meet the scriptural requirements of what Daniel describes as that final peace treaty that brings peace to Israel uh, and also starts that period of time often called the tribulation? Uh, and so there's a couple of big prophetic pieces missing from Trump's peace plan. Uh, and of course, uh, you don't have uh, an Antichrist figure. Um, you don't have that ten-nation confederacy that, uh, that the Antichrist is is head of. Um, you don't have any mention of a seven-year period, um, and so it doesn't fulfill the current requirements of Scripture to meet what Daniel's talking about. But that could change if there's a war and uh, Israel is successful and is granted maybe even more land as part of some kind of peace agreement. Um, some Bible prophecy experts suggest we could be seeing the stage for what's sometimes called the Psalm 83 war, uh, which describes a war between Israel and its immediate neighbors and not just the countries of uh, Ezekiel 38. Um, and uh, so uh, we don't know where this current peace process is going to lead, but it suggests that at the very least there may be more conflict on the horizon, which will eventually lead to a peace agreement. Well, this is fascinating information, but I want people to understand this is not just information to understand, it's information to apply. When we come back in our next segment, we're going to talk about how to apply the information we're learning. So stick with us here on A View from the Wall. We'll be right back.
The I Am A Watchman ministry is supported by people just like you so that we can continue in our call to encourage, disciple, educate, and bring people from all tribes and tongues into a right relationship with Jesus. The I Am A Watchman ministry desires to reach the lost, encourage and equip believers, and prepare for the return of the Lord. There's a great need to share truth and disciple believers. Most in the Western world are not strong in their faith. Billions in Africa and India and in Arab and Asian regions are lost or persecuted for their faith. We want to reach them and equip them. Our vision is to facilitate the multiplication of godly leaders, watchmen around the world. Free I Am A Watchman resources have been accessed by individuals in more than 160 countries, but there's so much more to do. Please consider becoming a prayer and financial partner in this good work. Visit IamAWatchman.com to find out how. to a view from the wall. This is Dylan and Joe, and we've been having a great discussion here with Kate as we talk about current events and Bible prophecy. And recently, we've had a period of riots across the country with no immediate end in sight. I do like what Ben Carson, Dr. Ben Carson, once said, the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. Maybe it's time we stepped back as a nation and considered what's happened since we removed the spiritual foundation that's anchored this country from its cradle. And we want to speak directly to a couple of issues before we wrap up today. Kate, as you look at the riots, disease, pandemic, the panic that many people are facing today, these are all Bible prophecy topics, but they're also heart issues. Talk a little bit about America's heart as a nation during this time. Certainly. So I think one of the important questions we can ask um, really at at the heart of Bible prophecy is, why is God doing all this? Uh, Why did he outline and detail for us thousands of years in advance um, all the things that he was going to do. And I think he wanted us to know that he was who he said he was, uh, that he is the creator of the universe and that he knows the beginning to the end. Uh, and Bible prophecy is his way of proving that. Um, he cares enough about us to let us know what is going to happen so that we can trust him. Chuck Missler always used to say the Bible was a love letter written to us in blood. And I think that's very true. Um, he's revealed history in advance so that we can know him, uh, but not just know him, but also know his character, uh, that he has a plan, not just for this world, but for you and I as well, uh, that he loves us, that we can trust him. Um, and I think the recent coronavirus, uh, pandemic was a reminder that he needs to be the center of that trust. Uh, many people had their trust in other things and really had it shaken trust in government, you think the government's going to look after you. Uh, trust in one's job security is probably a really big one uh, with so many unemployed now. Trust in one's ability to stay healthy. Um, all those were shaken recently. And at the end of the day, we had no one to trust but the Lord. Uh, and so when you keep that in the context of, of looking forward, um, God made a promise to the Jewish people that he is going and he's going to honor that. It's an eternal covenant. Though they may have to go through some incredible trials, some incredible pain before that full restoration will happen, it is going to happen. And likewise, I think America you know, is going to have to go through some difficult times before it might be brought to its knees in repentance uh, and ask for forgiveness. Uh, we do reap what we sow. And while some of the things are certainly out of our control, like the coronavirus, uh, much of our current situation with the incredible tensions between races, uh, the downright hatred that exists between Republicans and Democrats, um, has been really brought upon ourselves by a lack of love for one another. 
so we need to take personal responsibility for our actions and realize the government's not going to save us. Uh, only God can save us, but we have to humble ourselves and be willing to admit our need for him. Uh, if we continue to be prideful uh, as individuals, as a nation, uh, then I, I, I'm a little concerned, definitely. Uh, but if we humble ourselves, ask forgiveness of one another and of God, um, I think there's, there's hope for our nation, and uh, we need to look to the scriptures to be inspired by that. Okay, we'd like to conclude each program by giving our guests an opportunity to speak directly into our Watchman community, those who watch, warn, witness, and seek to finish well in these last days. So what's the word of challenge and encouragement for our Watchmen and women in the times that we're facing right now? As far as a challenge and an encouragement, um, and something that I think could be quite thought-provoking, I have a three-minute YouTube video that I'd like to recommend your listeners check out. This YouTube video is called The Invisible Gorilla Experiment. Um, and this video will have you watch a bunch of people throwing a basketball around. And you're asked to count how many times it's thrown between players. And at the end of this video, it asks, if you saw the man dressed in a gorilla suit walk through the people throwing the basketball, he beats his chest for nine seconds in the middle of this the throwing the ball around, and then he walks out. So the majority of people who watch this video don't know the gorilla is going to appear, and they will, as a result, not see the gorilla, even though it's hidden right there in plain sight. Now, for your listeners, they're going to see the gorilla because I've told you in advance it's there. Likewise, God has told us things in advance that are going to happen in our world. Uh, and so this video, I think, is a great conversation piece you can share with family and friends. It'll get them thinking because it's, it's quite fun to do to see if they're going to see the gorilla or not. Um, but it'll help people to realize that they need to see things through more than just their physical eyes. They need to have spiritual eyes open to what's really happening around them. Um, but just don't let them know about the gorilla in advance or see the title if you really want to have fun with that. So that is my <laughs> challenge and encouragement to your audience. Oh, that's great. Well, I love the perspective to, to look at the world with spiritual eyes, and I believe that Cade does a great job of that at prophecynewswatch.com. Again, prophecynewswatch.com, you can catch up on all of their latest headlines from a biblical perspective highlighting Bible prophecy. Cade, thanks so much for being with us today on A View from the Wall. Thank you so much for having me. Well, again, we enjoy you being with us, and we hope you'll stick with us for a message at the end of our program today to learn more about how you can stay in contact with us. A View from the Wall, in association with I Am a Watchman Ministries, exists to equip a worldwide audience with biblical truth, sharing it with others, and being prepared for Christ's imminent return. The team seeks to encourage, inspire, and equip watchmen for such a time as this. For information about the ministry and upcoming events, visit IamAWatchman.com. A View from the Wall is made possible by the team of dedicated pastors, editors, and the many contributors of I Am A Watchman Ministries. To support our efforts, give online at IamAWatchman.com and click on the Donate button. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time on A View from the Wall. <laughs>